Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable competitive future in Cork business. Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Well, another year is nearly done. Thanks to everybody who's downloaded and listened to the podcast over the last 12 months. Before we open the wine and the box of celebrations, though, we've one more episode to go. We're going to hear from Red FM legend Stevie G on the challenges facing the nightclub scene and from a chef who started a business to take the challenge out of Christmas dinner. But as we approach the final few shopping days before Christmas, we thought it was a great time to check in with Patrick Keane of Keane's Jewelers about how they have been getting on at the end of another very strange year. Patrick Keane, you're very welcome to Red Business. How are you? Thanks, Jonathan. Very good. Very good altogether. I presume it's been very busy in the last few days, has it? Yeah, it's been great. There's a fantastic atmosphere in town and trade has been very good um, over the last few weeks, but there's been um, an inevitable pickup in the last two, three weeks where I think people have realised Christmas is only a matter of days away now at this stage. Yeah, okay, so th- is it the last minute merchants or are people just keen to, to make sure they've something in the stocking? Well, I think this year has been very different. Um, it's been a bizarre year anyway for everybody. It's um, a most challenging year, but uh, we've never seen the, I suppose, the, the shopping that's taken place at such an early stage this year. Um, certainly in October, November, uh, we many customers shopping for, for Christmas. Customers that we would have known that would typically have been last minute. Yeah, okay. You're not naming me, which is good, Patrick. I'm glad you. I'm glad you covered that there. But it's been a weird experience for retail because you were closed, obviously, for a large portion of 2021. Then when you opened, it was really, really busy. And then we had the summer, and then we we kind of had the run into Christmas. So overall, on balance, what kind of year have you had? I suppose overall we've had we finish we're going to finish up with a particularly good year. Um, I suppose uh, it has been it has been a huge challenge. Um, look, look I, I'll be honest, it hasn't been as bad as our colleagues in the hospitality industry. And, and to be honest, um, our thoughts have to go to them because what they're dealing with uh, the sudden changes on a daily basis. You know, it's um, it's, it's it's terrible, but. Um, we've had a very good year since we reopened, but the challenges earlier on where we had to divert an awful lot of our investment into online strategies and, you know, um, uh, you know it's, it's been a big challenge. A challenge yeah. it may have been, though, but at the same time, you've managed to migrate online. You're a very traditional business, and I don't mean that in a bad way, that you like face-to-face activity. You wouldn't like the impersonal nature of the website, but you did embrace it, didn't you? We did, yes. Uh, certainly, if you went back in March last year when we closed our doors, um, we didn't have a we didn't have the most successful online strategy. Um, we certainly we were dipping our toe in the water a little bit, but the the pandemic forced us to to invest hugely. We have a nice platform now, an e commerce platform, and we're doing we're doing some nice business online. So there's um, some surprising transactions, um, like the number of engagement rings, which you typically we wouldn't have expected that type of product to be bought online. You know, not face to face. Now going forward, we expect our business will always be, you know, the majority will always be in the, on the shop floor, face to face, but. Um, the, the pandemic has really, uh, I, I suppose, made us far more efficient from a digital strategy and um, I suppose uh, has forced us into a far more efficient um, uh, 
direction that way, you know. Yeah, but you're very proud of your bricks and mortar offering um, and, and why wouldn't you be? The city centre, Cork city centre seems to have fared well than other locations. I'm conscious that obviously you've got other high street locations too. There was something resilient about Cork city when it reopened, wasn't it? That, that, that benefited businesses throughout, including your own. Yeah, like, to be honest, Cork is, right now Cork is hopping. It really is. I mean, um, if you walked down, I don't, I don't know if you walked down Patrick Street or Oliver Punk Street in the last few days, but the atmosphere is immense. Um, it's Families are back back in the city centre. You know, the, the footfall is back. And if you look back over the last 24 months, um, there's been there's been very serious things have hit the city. I mean, look look at the big store that Debenhams have vacated. Uh, look at Opera Lane where Topshop and Gap have moved out, um, and they're big threats to the city. And then look at all the car spaces we've lost. I mean, I, I'm all for greenways and and, and cycle lanes and, and and that, but we've lost a lot of parking spaces, and they're they're big obstacles to to overcome. But look at the streets today. Look at the city centre today. There is such an atmosphere, such a buzz. The outdoor dining is fantastic. Look down Princess Street. I mean, you wouldn't see what you have on Princess Street in many of the cities around the country. So I have to say, um, you know, credit you to everybody in, in Cork City and all the retailers and that. Um, the, the city is doing very well at the moment, you know, and, uh, and I'd say we're holding our own against many other cities, you know. Yeah, and, and the, the way that that has happened uh, was through collaboration, a kind of collaboration that, uh, that you'd almost think was impossible, the way that we used to always kind of talk before. But how important was it that, that the retail body uh, came together. So in other words, it wasn't retailer A having a different opinion to retailer B, it was retailers A and B coming together going, that would work well here or we'll benefit from that. That collegiality, that that uh, bonhomie that has emerged amongst business owners is, is almost unique. Uh, yes, it's it's so important. And, and I do think we've we lost it there for, for a while. Um, I mean, regular retailer meetings, um, they used to happen an awful lot more frequently um, many years ago, but I mentioned Princess Street. That, that's that, that as an example is is incredible. How all the retailers came together. They saw the benefit of the outdoor dining. They 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 threw their hat in the ring and they supported each other. I know that that's incredible. And and look at the various other streets. It really has brought retailers back together again. Um, and that's just going to make the, the the city stronger and stronger. Uh, just to finish up, what's big selling at the moment? I mean, what what is the thing that that is is walking out of Keynes? Uh, if you had to pick a single type of jewellery, what is it? To be honest, I, I have to say, um, th- 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 there's there's quite a number of items which are selling very well. But it's um, I suppose this time of year. It, it, it has to be engagement rings. Chris, Christmas time is always oh, look at poor fools, uh, Patrick. But, still thinking that it's the time of year to propose. <laughs> I mean, have the, have the men of Ireland not learned anything? We'll never learn things like that. <laughs> to be honest, it's um, it's the busiest time of year for engagement rings. Look, family are around. Uh, it's it's a nice time to to announce um an, a nice occasion like that. And uh, thankfully, it has been very, very strong again this year, you know. OK, well, continued success to you and all the team at Keynes. Patrick Keane of Keynes Jewellers and Oliver Plunkett Street, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jonathan. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. If the thought of cooking Christmas dinner 
brings you out in a cold sweat that my next guest has been working on a solution for you. Grizz Donovan is a chef who's been on the hospitality scene in Cork for many years, but his newest venture is called Bearbox.ie and he is promising it's going to change the way you do Christmas dinner forever. That is a big boast, Grizz Donovan. How are you? I'm very good, Jonathan, and yourself? I'm good. Now, it is the kind of thing that brings people out in a cold sweat. Now, I don't do the Christmas dinner. I do the Stephen's Day dinner, so there's considerable less pressure than me than there is on my poor mother-in-law who's making the Christmas dinner. But how are you going to remove all the stress and anxiety from it? Yeah, well, basically what what, what I've done is I, I've um, I've partnered with my meat supplier, Marco Sullivan and CL Meats, and we're basically doing a pre-cooked Christmas dinner box. So in that box, you have all your... your turkey, ham, spiced beef, there's stuffing, there's a red onion and cranberry marmalade, gravy, and there's a little box of uh, mini Christmas pudding truffles as well, which went down very well last year. So it's just, basically you get a box, you order your box online, you can click and collect, so you can collect it in CL Meats, and it's just, basically you don't have to have all the hassle of worrying about is the turkey going to be too dry, is the meat going, you know, and just spending all that time in the kitchen, you know. Well, e- even in reheating things, you can dry out the turkey. So let's, let's not uh, rule it out as a possibility for the worst of the chefs that are out there. But what, what about the veg, Chris? Is there, is there grease? Have we got the carrots and the, and the poppies and the parsnips? Do, do you know what? Do you know what, Jonathan? I, I, th- I thought about it and um, we sat down and we and we discussed it and we planned everything out. Um, and people have been asking about the veg, but to be honest, in my opinion, it's nicer done fresh. Yeah, because you can't um, really cook them days in advance because they, as they say in Cork, well, they go a bit manky, don't they? Exactly, exactly. And I, I don't know, you know, if you ever had a re- reheated a roast potato after the Sunday lunch or something, it's just not the same as when it comes out of the oven nice and fresh and crispy, you know? Yeah, but to be fair, the veg isn't what stresses people out. It's the turkey and is the turkey cooked and is the turkey going to get dry? And and if it's the ham, you've got the boiling, then you have the roasting, you have the glaze. I mean, God almighty, you'd be, you'd be stuck to the oven for hours. Exactly. And I think, Jonathan, you see, with, with, with everything that's gone on in the last few years, I think people are just, they just want an easy life now at this stage. People are really busy in the run-up to Christmas anyway. There's a lot of families that are under stress the last thing you need is to be worrying about cooking the dinner and everything else as well. Like it's it's one of those things that takes up so much time either on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day for people that they often miss out on like maybe playing with the kids and their toys, going out, whether it's going out with relations and friends on Christmas Eve for a couple of drinks. You don't have to be chained to the oven, you know. Mm. You can just, you know, we can take that away from you. Now, having said that, uh, you will be chained to the oven and I'm presuming you don't have a standard <laughs> yeah. kitchen oven that uh, is going to take forever to cook all the hams and turkeys. You, you've obviously got the industrial unit stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the response has been absolutely phenomenal, really. Um, we're absolutely blown away with the amount of people who've, who have gone for this, you know. Um, it was an idea that we came up with, I suppose, back in kind of September, October. Um, and we've actually had to rent out a second production kitchen now to, to facilitate the amount of orders that are coming in, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in, in CL Meats itself, there's a, there's a fantastic production facility there with, like, big slow cookers and everything like that to just cook the meat nice and low and slow so it holds on to all the moisture. 
um, and then we've another facility as well, which where we'll be pack, packing off and potting all the all the sauces and stuffings and things like that. You know. Okay, so so, so it's not, it's not, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a pretty big big production line you've got going, and, and it's obviously going to be busy over the course of the next week. But Grace, when you when you're looking at this, I mean, your background, you are a chef by trade. Would it not be easier for oh, you yeah. to kind of just be in a restaurant, just churning out uh, churning out entrees, uh, than, than taking all this pressure? What what brought you to this, and what, what caused the change? Do you know what I suppose I, I started off working in professional kitchens when I was fifteen. Um I went on to study food business in UCC then, where I kind of fell out of love with, with the kind of corporate sales world after a few years and got back into kitchens. Um I worked in loads of places over the years. And I suppose in about twenty sixteen I just kind of I got a bit of burnt out from the restaurant life. Um, and I just started looking at other things and I went into production. I was a production chef making chowder and fish pies for Aldi and Duns and Super Value. And um, then I just kind of said, do you know what? When the pandemic was kind of looming and things like that, I ended up working in a nursing home. And then I just set up as a caterer. I set up my business, Chef Grizz, um, which was a funny time to set it up. I know during the pandemic with people not really being able to meet up and all that. Um, so it was a bit kind of up and down, but it's really taken off now. I had a really good summer this year. Um, and I suppose last year I did a few Christmas markets. Um, I was doing the kind of turkey and ham baps and things like that. And I was really well received. And a few people ordered their pre-cooked meats and stuff for me last year and little tubs of gravy and things like that. So I suppose it just evolved from that, really. Mm. And I wanted to do something a bit bigger this year, you know. Yeah. So in other words, you, you saw the opportunity last year when you were working on the stalls. Tell me a bit about Chef Grizz, though. What, what does Chef Grizz do when he, he's, he's not cooking turkeys and hams? Does he go to your house <laughs> and, and make it easy? Yeah, so basically, it, it, it basically just kind of evolved from just being a chef and friends asking, you know, can you cook a lasagna for, for 10 of us next weekend kind of thing. And then it got a bit more serious. Uh, probably towards the end of 2018, I was starting to get more and more of those kind of queries. Um, I suppose when I was working less in restaurants, I had more time for myself to kind of explore different things. Um, so it's basically uh, predominantly... Uh, catering and private chef hire company so in the summer there'll be loads of barbecues and things like that i'll go to the house cook the food bring the salads serve everyone um, and it's every, anything from 10 to a thousand people i've done i've gone into company canteens and fed staff for a few weeks i've done big christmas parties for people and mm. and kind of staff appreciation parties right down to your communions confirmations all those kind of right. things I you mean, know? it sounds to me like you didn't start out as an entrepreneur but uh, yet here you are no. <laughs> Definitely not. I, I suppose I kind of I when when I decided to give up the restaurants, I kind of said, All right, what am I going to do? And I, I went doing relief work in a lot of different places then and I suppose ideas just came from working in different places and it kind of evolved out of, out of the pandemic as well in a way the whole bear box thing because I didn't know with the catering this year whether I'd be busy over Christmas, whether people would be able to gather in groups or not. So I said, Look, I better do something to kind of you know, hopefully get a few get a few euros in the door over the Christmas period, mm. um, and it's just been a brilliant it's been a brilliant opportunity. And and in fairness to Mark and CL Meats, he's gotten really behind it, and he's provided me with the facility to produce the stuff, sell okay. the stuff, and and it's just kind of grown from there. You know, and I suppose I I kind of I've just discovered that I kind of project driven. Really? Yeah, I mean, look, you know? I, 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 I do feel sorry for you, though, because by the time it gets to Christmas Day, you won't <laughs> want to see a turkey or a ham. Sure you won't. What are you planning on that? Probably it's a salmon, is it? Well, 
I don't know. Yeah, I'd say it could be a bit of roast beef or something now at this <laughs> stage. Yeah. Um, by the time I'm finished cooking all the all the all the Christmas bits, I, uh, you're right. I probably won't want to won't want. And, and of course, you have to taste as you go as well, Jonathan. It's very important. So I'd say I'll be I'll be well sick of <laughs> eating it as well. As yes, but you know, out. at least you'll stand over the quality. Uh, so bear box. I'd imagine next year 100%. is probably going to be busier for you. But is there any availability still on bearbox.ie? Unfortunately, Jonathan, for this year, people are just a little bit too late for the Christmas one. But because it was such a success, we're probably going to do a seasonal bear box. So like my my head is kind of holding me in the present at the moment, just concentrating on getting Christmas done. But my heart is pulling me already towards Valentine's, Easter, you know, whatever else might be down the line. So we'll 100% be doing it again next Christmas. Um, But there will be other other kind of seasonal offerings through Bearbox, you know. Okay, so, um, so the website so, is the website's not just for Christmas. Let's put it that way. Not, not just for Christmas, no. Um, at the moment, yeah. So unfortunately, we're 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 after filling up. The response we got was was far and away greater than what we thought. So we've had to close the order book. Um, just so we can get our production plan in place and all that and not let people down, you know? Okay. Well, look, we wish you the best of luck. Whatever comes next, whether it's uh, catering in someone's house or catering a factory or whatever, Chef Grizz, if you Google it, you'll come up. But bearbox.ie is a brilliant idea that's going to take the stress out of Christmas for an awful lot of people. Uh, Grizz Donovan, thanks so much for joining us on Red Business. Thank you, Jonathan. Cheers. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. If you've spent any time out in Cork City in recent years, there's a really good chance you've heard my next guest in action in the wild. But he's a Red FM legend and I am delighted to welcome Stevie G. Stevie, how are you, buddy? I'm good, thanks, Jonathan. Uh, We thought it would be a good time to catch up with you at the end of 2021 because you have your finger on the pulse of the nightlife scene. What is it like out there at the moment with all this uncertainty about COVID, Stevie? Yeah, like obviously it's non-existent at the moment, nightclub wise. And we know that the live gigs, they've cut it down to 50%, which has taken a lot of people out of play. I know there's still one or two events going on. There is a couple of outdoor events. And I, I'm definitely looking at the opportunity and uh, the potential for that more more going forward. I think we've all recognised that. Like the City Council, we're, we're doing some gigs with them next week in Fitzgerald's Park. And we did some last summer with the Good Room, who are promoting some live at St. Luke's here. And I do think the outdoors is amazing. It's going to be brilliant, and especially when the weather gets good again. And it's a, it's an amazing opportunity for everyone in Ireland. We've seen that across all the sectors, that outdoor stuff is the way forward. But I do think that the indoor side of it, um, we can't ignore it, obviously. And it's, it, I mean, it's, it's a disaster at the moment for, for anyone running the late night venues. It has been a, a massive disaster, really. And again, this goes across other sectors, too. It's not just the nightlife. Um, but um, but the uncertainty is really killing it, you know. Yeah, I was speaking to somebody who was in the music scene in a band, and he was just telling me how heartbreaking it was that literally everything vanished overnight. They'd only just gotten back up and running really properly, and it was all gone again. It it, it really threatens the future of a lot of businesses, though, if if they don't get the support they need from government at this stage. Yeah, like I think the uncertainty has been the worst part of it because mental health wise, if you're working in the music industry anyway, it's always going to be, it's it's a tough, it's a day-to-day kind of situation. I'm not speaking for myself, no, because I never had to get the pot myself. I do other stuff like daytime stuff, teaching and I do radio obviously and other media stuff. Um, 
but but that whole thing even I think there's loads of complications even regarding that about people who've just come off or just going back on. Um, I just think the the whole thing is just got a bit. Um, the stop start stuff of it is the worst. The uncertainty. We all know what it's like. We've had to reschedule some stuff in our business a lot. I'm sure you have. But even anyone has bought a ticket. We've all had to go through the kind of the anguish of rescheduling stuff. But if you're a promoter or a venue doing that stuff on a mass basis, emailing people, talking to agents, and lots of agents and bands and artists outside of Ireland are looking at Ireland kind of going, how come we can't do this here when we're doing it freely elsewhere? Mm. Uh, but it, I just, I, I think the stop start side of it is pretty bad. I think the government overall with the music industry, I mean, people associate it too much with alcohol, in my opinion, but I do think we need to look at the music industry that we, we do market Ireland as crack as August Kjol. I think we need to really look at it as a kind of, um, it's something that's, it's not just one or two events. It is something that's kind of like living and breathing all the time. Yeah. And this, this isn't just for working bands. I mean, I work with kids and we're doing a project at the Life Centre at the moment and the kids are telling me they've no spaces to go. They've no places to, to hang out even. Um, everything in Ireland is revolved either around alcohol or maybe if you don't do sport, it, there's really less places. And I do think that um, it was different when we were younger. You know, there was bars, there was music and nightclubs pretty much most nights of the week. And you could go in there as a music artist or a DJ or a band or a singer and make your mistakes. Whereas the kids now don't even have places to practice. And we all know that most of them are living at home or it's it's like they're they're not like moving into an apartment when they're like 18 or 19 like you could do 20 years ago so i think it's a it's a big long term situation that we need to look at more yeah, I, look, I know you're right because I was only thinking about this the other day that, look, uh, unlike you, I'm not cool, uh, so therefore I don't go out anymore. But if you told a younger version of me that I couldn't go to a gig or I couldn't go to somewhere where there was music or, or a nightclub, I probably would have gone a, a little bit crazy. And it must be having a really disproportionate effect on those young people, uh, some yeah. of whom may have actually only gotten to go to a club for the couple of weeks that they were open. And prior to that, they wouldn't have been able to get in. Yeah, there's kids I'm working with who've effectively never, even some some of them have turned 18 or 19, they've never really been in a club properly. Like, like it's, it is amazing. And I do, I find it frustrating that some of the commentary from people my age or older is a kind of, a, a bit kind of um, blasé about it because like we've had our fun kind of thing. And it's a bit selfish that I think our Irish people think like that a lot. And um, no, a lot, lots of people that if they did rewind, I mean, we were out, out like all the time when we were younger. And I think we have to look at that and not just a kind of, again, people look at it from an alcohol point of view, uh, but I just think the, 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 the mental release of social and it is a, a social kind of a, a social situation. Now, I'm not calling for clubs to be open tomorrow or packed dance floors or like I'm totally. And to be honest, the, the industry have been brilliant when it comes to, they've all been calling for testing. They've been calling for um, proper systems for a couple of years and it has worked abroad. And I do think, I mean, I got on to, when I got my first vaccine, I was down in Porky Cleave down the road and it was people working in MCD who normally hmm. weren't running festivals. They were the front of house people. So these people are professionals. They can run big shows. We see what Aiken and MCD and all these people can do. And there's lots of people in all of these industries who wrote a work and I think we need to kind of we've a bit of a kind of a nanny state vibe here sometimes in Ireland I think we need to kind of trust the industry a little bit more yeah. and now again I'm not saying 
tomorrow open up everything, I can understand there's why there's restrictions, and I'm 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 in favour of a lot of them. But I think there has to be ways that we can kind of do things with a bit of you know a bit of leeway. Let's put it that way, Stevie. Just to, to wrap up on this because uh, we we are in a very uncertain period right now. Uh, we know that um, we don't know whether there'll be more restrictions, less restrictions as we move towards January. Is is there any hope out there at the moment that that we'll get back to? normal uh, in some way in the clubbing scene and in the nightclub scene in, in 2022 at least in the first six months I doubt it to be honest I mean I I, I had a venue myself which closed in 2014 and I've I've always thought that even then I mean it's, a t- it's such a tough game working a, a, an industry with such a little small window of opportunity at the weekends and you're, you're in a seven day mentality it's, it's, it's unrealistic the, most of the venues that have survived in Cork have been kind of boosted by it might be a different bar downstairs that makes the money that has more of a seven day trade that might be showing matches that might be doing other stuff around the peripheries. But I would be very um, like I mean in my column that I that, that we were talking about I did mention that the clubs are all gone in Galway. There's literally nothing left. Cork is heading down that way for a long time. Uh, hopefully things will be looked at and even looking at spaces from a more kind of community level, a cultural space, rather than just a kind of, even if there's no drinks license, I think there is a way of getting some sort of um, something going in that regard. But I, I think without kind of intervention, I, I, I do think it's going to be very tough for the clubs. Obviously, some will survive, and I hope they do. Uh, and I wish everybody, my colleagues in that game, uh, the best, because I, I appreciate how tough it is. Stevie G, words uh, very wise, as always. Uh, your your old school party on Red FM will be doing a lot of heavy lifting uh, to try and get people in the mood for whatever comes in the next few months. But uh, get them in the mood, it will. Stevie G, thanks for joining us on Red Business. Thanks, Jonathan. Happy Christmas. Many happy returns. And that is it for the podcast for this year. Kira McDonough was the producer. We will catch you in 2022. Have a lovely Christmas. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business.